Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say. Sometimes I think people sit around and try to come up with questions to baffle me or to uh, get me (laughs) into trouble. Um, There are so many questions that parents um, are asking that we are flooded with them constantly. And I I, I mean, from, uh, I mean, it's like this. The first question is in regards to this gender identity epidemic, um, somebody asked and said, that I've been told by therapists and school counselors and doctors just to go with whatever my teen daughter is saying and and for me to call her by a boy's name or different pronouns seems like I'm going against my convictions and encouraging her to go down this road. And so that's a question. I'm going to lost what to do. So I'm going to give you some insight there. But the second question moves to this. How do you get your teen to get on the school bus? <laughs> so, and and you know what? I think each one of these is probably equally as as important to these parents who are living that. I, and I I hear people make comments about anything in the world all the time, but when you have to live with some of the challenges, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. It's easy to be a backseat driver. It's easy to to look in that rear view mirror and, and give your opinion about things. But when you have to live with a child that's struggling through things, sometimes you find out that that the opinions that you've carried, whether they be strong, manly opinions or or our uh, opinions of compassion or inclusiveness or exclusiveness, whatever it is, it shifts a little bit when it's your child that's dealing with stuff. And so to this lady, how do you help somebody get on a bus that's important for you? Somebody else asked a question. Uh, I love Wayne Shepard on your show. Who is he and how did you two end up working together. I'll tell you a little bit about Wayne, uh, a dear friend. Somebody else asked a question that says, my 19-year-old can't seem to land a job. Can I motivate him in other ways other than throwing him out of the house? Then somebody else said this, what's the right action to take when someone's told you that your child is using marijuana? It's not social, but it's more self-medicating and possible depression and anxiety, which is a great a great question and one that's pretty common. Uh, here's another one is that my daughter has uh, two girls, 14 and 12, and she's a single mom, and she's raising another 15-year-old and has been since that girl's mother passed away from cancer. Um, and now they're struggling with the 15-year-old. What do we do? And another question is from a single mom that that says, I've got two boys, and but I've got an ex-husband that's, that's a narcissist and is extremely angry and was abusive uh, during our marriage. And so now that we've gotten divorced, he's trying to turn the boys against us and the boys are following it a little bit. So those are the questions we're going to 
answer today, and I think it's important just for people to understand. You know, when you're living in the midst of struggle and difficulty, it looks a little bit different, uh, m- meaning this, you know, that, that there's parents out there that are concerned that their kids are gaining weight, um, you know, because they're sitting around too much. And that's important uh, if it's your child and you're concerned about your child. But I think there's a comparison that you always put it to, and, and I, I do this a lot with the kids that I deal with, because half the kids that live with us, and, and that's at Heartlight, our residential counseling center, uh, we have 65 kids that live here, and they come from all over the country, and they're good kids. But half of these kids tell me that they wouldn't be alive had they not come here. And so it, whatever the issue is, I always look at it that you have to put it in perspective, that with suicide rates where they are and the craziness of the culture that you and I have said that we're glad that we don't have to grow up in it, um, our kids are dealing with stuff that maybe some stuff doesn't matter. You know, weight gain is – they can lose weight later. Then there's always a way to get rid of it. I want to I want to tackle the stuff that's important and long-lasting. And if it's temporary, let it be temporary and it'll pass and move on. And and um, you know what's interesting to me is that we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about music. You know, in, in probably the last two years that I've been answering questions uh, in a podcast – a lot of people have not written and said, hey, my kid's listening to rotten music and what are we supposed to do? Um, and I think it's because everything else has accelerated so much in the world that music is kind of put on the back burner and people don't really care that much anymore. Either that or music's gotten a little bit better and kids are listening to older stuff. And if you're with me long enough, you know this, that I think that you're a healthier person if you listen to country music. Anyway, so here's the first question in regards to this gender identity thing. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Because my daughter says that, you know, she's she's this and and um, and, um, and and all the doctors and therapists are saying go along with it. But yet by getting her to uh, have me call her by a different name or what I, you know, it's just here's here's the problem. I mean, here, here's the problem. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't have a problem. Um, I really don't care. I mean, quite honestly, whether anybody's gay or not, it, it doesn't bother me. It it doesn't make any difference to me. And I try to treat everybody like they're the same. It it doesn't. It doesn't matter to me. But the idea that you're trying to convince me that I have to be a different way or a certain way, you know, to meet up to your expectations, uh, is is where it crosses the line. Meaning this, there, there was a young lady, and, and and I'll say this, and and because each of us have at least one of these, um, I can I can say the two words of what I said to this young lady. She came to us, and and she said that you know I um, her name was Sarah, but she preferred to be called Bob, and. Um, and then she went on to tell me that she goes, and I think I would do better if I lived in a guy's house rather than a girl's house. Um, <laughs> I, I said, well, sweetheart, I, I'm okay uh, with calling you whatever you want me to call you. It doesn't matter. But we don't divide up uh, our houses here by guys and girls. We divide them up by penises and vaginas. And so whatever you've got, that's the house you're going to be in. And so it, it was almost like, it's like, this is how I want you to identify me. And I'll do that. But this is what I want you to do for me. And I'm going, no, wait a minute. That's where it infringes on me. And I go, I can't do that. And so I think every parent, you know, can go so far into 
loving their child, which is the number one thing that I think, can you still love your child if they say that they're gay? And I, I want a child to know, hey, I, I, it doesn't matter. You are who you are and you're, you're a part of our family and I love you to death. And so there's a part of me that just says, I can still love you. But the point where you're trying to get me to change my perspective on things, it's my perspective's already changed. I'm, I'm not looking down on you in any way. It's just that I want good things for you. And whatever this is, whether you're coming out, whether it's identity thing, whether it's uh, out of confusion, or whether you're just trying to get back at me as a parent, then I want to make sure we're talking through those things. And I know this to be true that you'll never have the opportunity to talk through the difficulties and hardships with your kids unless you can lighten up a little bit and make sure that you have a relationship with them. And I would venture to say that anybody that's going through their adolescent years, anybody and everybody has an adolescent relationship problem somewhere. So I want to have a relationship with a child so I can help them in their relationships. You know, you can choose what you want. And I would say this to any kid, you can choose what you want because I want you to become responsible and I want you to make choices in your life and I want you to make some decisions. But I want to make sure that we're talking about things as well because there's a reason why I'm in your life as well. But I'll call you what you want. I, I hope that I hope that helps a little bit. You know, and if you take all my comments that I've made about all the, as this lady says, the gender identity epidemic, you know, over all the questions that have been asked about that over the last year, then then you can put that together in a book form that that really helps somebody understand what I'm talking about when I talk about uh, all these issues. I have to live with kids who struggle through things and, uh and I'm okay with the struggle because if they're struggling, it means that they're still open to, to look at things. And I say that I'm not here to change anybody. Uh, that's the one thing I've realized that I can't do. I've never changed anybody. What I can do is create an atmosphere for change to happen. So whether somebody wants to change or not, and I'm talking about whether they're depressed or smoking pot or they have issues, whatever their issues are, anything else, they've got to want something different. That's what I hope for them. Okay, here's that other question that's just as important. How do you get your teen to make the school bus? This entire year, my daughter's only made it on the bus one full week. And there's been consequences, it just doesn't change anything. Okay, let me let me just, let me take the, the point of the child. What What's happening on that bus that makes it so hard to ride the bus to school? Is she being made fun of? Was she bullied? Um, people kicking out of her seat? Is she getting beat up? Has something happened on the bus that keeps her away from that? That's the first place we ought to go. What is it that's motivating your child? And the second thing is, is you know, is that riding on a bus sometimes may represent something that a parent doesn't understand. In a world of entitlement and... Um, you know, there's just not a whole lot of um, Hollywood movies and um, uh, programs and TVs and uh, TV shows and Netflix and everything else that talks about kids riding on a bus. So it's not necessarily this unbelievable privilege that you get to do is to ride the school bus, which means somebody can't take you or you're too far to walk or you live in the country or... 
you don't have a car, you're too poor to get there yourself. I think that's how some kids interpret that. And, and, um, and I just want to be sensitive to that and then come up with an alternative or maybe solve the issue in some way. But I, I would think that's where instead of pushing to see her behavior except to get on the bus, I would start asking some other questions about what that means to her to get on that bus. And chances are, I don't know how old your daughter is in this question, she may be made fun of. Or it may be something where it's just uncomfortable and she feels ridiculed or she feels second class because she has to ride the bus. I rode a bus all through junior high to school. And uh, matter of fact, I rode a bus to school until I got a car. And my car was one of those, the coolest cars that, that anybody could ever have. It was a 62 Buick Special, <laughs> a little midget car. <laughs> so... And then when I finally, you know, later on in high school, I got a 68 Dodge Charger. And that wasn't bad uh, at all. And, uh, but that bus, that bus could represent something to your child. Somebody else makes a comment, says, hey, I love Wayne Shepard. Wayne Shepard uh, has been a radio guy all his life. And uh, ever since he was in uh, college and uh, probably even before that. And 16 years ago, when somebody approached us and said, you need to be on the radio, I thought it was a stupid idea. And they said, well, we could get a guy to help uh, help you uh, in doing radio. And his, guy, his name is Wayne Shepard. I didn't know who he was because I really didn't listen to Christian radio. I always listened to Chuck Swindoll because I loved his, uh, his Bible teaching and how practical and applicable it all was. He's probably been one of the greatest influences on my life for that. And so... Uh, Wayne came along and we sat down and started talking and uh, he came down to Heartlight to look at it and we ended up in a studio, in Michael Card's studio in Leapers Fork, Tennessee, and we started doing radio programs. And so we have recorded radio programs for our weekend programs um, for 16 years. And if you add that all up, it's probably close to a thousand radio programs. So uh, I get to sit across the the desk from him as we do our radio program. And many of you that listen to our podcast uh, know that um, that a couple of our podcasts a week are repurposed radio programs because there's so much content in them that we use those. And so that's Wayne. Wayne is uh, uh, a wonderful, wonderful fellow. And I've said this a million times. He's probably one of the kindest uh, men that I've ever been around. Somebody else asked a question, says, my 19-year-old can't seem to land a job. And I, I, I don't know whether this is the way that he's supposed to present himself, but can I motivate him besides throwing him out? I would ask the question, first off, why is he not motivated? I mean, are you providing too much for him? Are you giving him too much? Are you, are you giving him, you know, plenty of space to use electricity and sit around and watch video games and, and you serve him meals all the time and you have a roof over his head and you take care of him, you buy him clothes and... What's the point of a child moving out if you're doing everything for him? And so sometimes, you know, you have to you have to think through what is it going to take to get him to wake up that the normalcy of life is living on your own rather than you being dependent on mommy and daddy at 19 years of age. When my dad was 17 years of age, he was in the South Pacific fighting in World War II on a destroyer. I mean, so... They're capable. It's just they may be scared. So I would ask the question, why is that? 
Is there an inability? Have they not been trained to become independent? Has has your home been so uh, dependent on mom and dad that they can't get away, that they really do fear that if they're kicked out of the nest, that their wings aren't going to work? Is there fear? Is there a sense of anxiety? Have they been too provided for? And the way to get around that, you know, is to help a child by saying, look, 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 if you get a job, I'll pay for X. If you get a job, I'll fill your car up with gas. If you get a job, I'll make your car payment. I'll, I'll, every week that you have a job, I'll pay for your cell phone. That encourages them in some way. And then it may be going to a child and saying, you know, here's the other thing that we want to do is we want you to move out on your own. If you're not going to go to school, you know, that we want you to move out on your own and live there. But you're welcome to come and eat and come see us and come for holidays and all those other things. We want you to be here. But you need to start learning to live on your own. And that becomes important because if they don't, They'll never be able to move further down the line of what life has to offer them. And they'll be stuck in this crazy, these, those crazy years of adolescence, which I tell kids all the time, these are not, these are not your best years of life. And so what can you do to motivate him to move beyond sitting on that couch? Here's another question that somebody says is, you know, what's the right course of action um, when somebody's told you that your child has been using marijuana and, and, and this mother says, my thought is that it's not so much social, but it's more for self-medicating and possible depression and anxiety. Of course, I asked the question, you, you haven't told me how old they are, so I have no idea. But, but I, you know, that we're all going to have to deal with this a little bit more in the days ahead. I mean, because it's becoming more uh, prevalent, it's becoming more promoted, and it's uh, definitely more available. And so, you know, I, I hear kids saying this all the time that, you know, I, I smoke pot because I want to be different, uh, because I don't want to continue to feel like I have anxiety or depression. And it does help them temporarily in those things. And please don't write me and say, well, you just said that it's okay to smoke pot if you're depressed. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it it does do something. It's kind of like if you're depressed, you can drink alcohol too. You're blue in the face and you're going to be drunk and you're not going to be depressed, but it's going to cause more problems in the future if you continue to do that. So it's not a healthy alternative, even though it is a temporary fix. I hear kids say all the time, I just want to feel normal. Or they say it helps me beat my anxiety and depression where I can get along with people better. Um... It, 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 but here's the problem. This is what I see. And, and this isn't scientific research other than the sampling that I've done with the kids that have lived with us through the years. And, and I think I've been around the block enough, um, either my days of, of college smoking pot or, or even though it's more intense, these not my, I'm not more intense in smoking pot. I'm saying I did that when I was in college, but the marijuana, the, <laughs> doesn't that sound wild? What they're smoking now is a lot stronger than what it was when, when I was in college. But through all the years of dealing with kids and meeting with kids and young life and camps and, and uh, those that have lived with us and, and traveling the country, meeting with people in all parts of the country, this is what I find, is those kids that smoke pot, those teens that smoke pot continually, like on a daily basis, they lose motivation their desire for academics lessens. They have a loss of interest in church 
and in family and extracurricular activities, they become lazy. It stops the maturation process. Maturity kind of goes out, um, goes out the window. It's like suspended growth, which means this, that they just, they just stop growing. They start smoking pot at 16 and they quit at 19. Then they've lost three years of maturing. And it also creates an inability to think. Now, I'm, I, the reason I'm not telling you that it, you know, that the frontal lobe cortex of your brain is developing until this, I, I'm not a neurosurgeon. And so I don't go that direction, nor am I a doctor that can give you um, and talk about endorphin levels. And, and I, I can't, I can't speak that. I can only speak to what I've seen. And so, you know, it, it's interesting to me that over the years, that's what I've concluded. So that's why I'm very intentional about teens not smoking pot, because I see that's what happens to them. And then when they sm quit smoking it on a daily basis, they go, I'm thinking different. I'm thinking completely different. We, we had a kid that lived with us that's probably one of the smartest kids that I know. Uh, his IQ was high. He was just absolutely brilliant. And he kept saying all the time, drugs help me think. <laughs> and I go, really? You're working at a gas station selling cigarettes and donuts, you know, from 10 o'clock at night to 6 o'clock in the morning. You're one of the most brilliant kids that I've ever met. And this helps you think? And I'm not against anybody working, selling donuts or cigarettes. I, you know, but I hardly call it thinking. You know, and and this young man, like every other young man, has got to get to the point where they want something different. Um, you're not telling me how old your child is, so it's very hard to say, okay, they're 12, you got one problem. If they're 19, it's a completely different issue. Um but as I said, we're all going to have to be dealing with this sometime. I hope that helps. Somebody else made a comment, says, my daughter, you know, has two girls and is raising another girl and that this other girl is just spinning out of control and and she wants to be left alone. She doesn't engage in conversation. She, uh, uh, she doesn't like to be asked questions about school, grades, and every answer is, I don't know, or how am I supposed to know? And it's a difficult situation. And, and you know, here's a young lady that needs a heart light. I'll tell you that's what it is. And and the mom uh, the the that is raising these kids has said, I just want to get her through high school. Let me let me give you a, a voice of uh, of wisdom here. You better do something before she graduates high school. And the reason is because if not, you're gonna be launching a rocket that can't fly. Um, and and if it continues in your own home. Uh, that 15-year-old is going to influence your 14 and 12-year-old because it's taking all your attention and your other kids are going to start going, well, I want attention too, so they're going to be doing the same thing. So here's my point. It's easy. I'd get her into counseling. Um, I, would, I would express the need for change in your home. If it doesn't change, you're not going to be able to live here. And then I would do whatever I had to do to, um, to remedy the situation. I had a vet call me at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, I was on a plane and I just left home and I landed in Dallas and he called and he said, Mark, this is, this is Dr. Lockhart and um, Stitch, my dog, uh, had had a seizure the night before and, and he said, uh, she's not going to make it. 
and um, I think we ought to go ahead and put her down. And I said, look, I'm, I'm going to the Country Music Awards. I will be back tomorrow morning early, or I can catch a flight and get back later on tonight. I can make it back. I know I can. And he goes, I need to advocate for Stitch right now. We don't need to wait another hour. She is going to go downhill fast. Um, it's it's going to be something that you don't want to see. And I need to be an advocate for her right now. I I sat there on that plane, and I even tear up now when I think about it. I sat there on that plane, and and I thought, how could I, how can I just let that go? But this man had had the wisdom, and he had the fortitude to stand up and say, "No more, no more, Mom. I'm telling you this: if you don't do something with the 15 year old girl." She's going to destroy your 14 and 12-year-old. And I would advocate for your other two kids to make sure that they're getting what they need from the mother that has been placed in their life, which is, which is you, to uh, provide for them a healthy and happy home, which it doesn't seem like it is right now. And while I know that your heart of compassion is taking this girl in because her mother died of cancer and there comes a point where you can't destroy your own family in the pursuit of helping somebody else's child. And and I would start looking for alternatives. It may be another family. It may be CPS. It might be a temporary home like a Heartlight. It may be something. But whatever I do, I do it quickly. And the last question is this. I'm a single mom of two teenage boys, and I had an extremely difficult marriage, and my husband was abusive. And, and uh, But my concern is my 16-year-old, our relationship has become bumpy. Uh, I know he's into drugs, and last week he got into trouble, and he ended up calling his dad, who is, who is, who is always ridiculing me and ripping me apart and, and uh, telling my kids I don't love them and all this other stuff, working against them. And so... Um, anyway, this, the, my son, I'm, I'm trying to reduce three pages of comments to, to one because my son got in trouble last week at the police and he didn't call me, but he called his dad who doesn't live with us. And I feel like I may have messed up by not going to get him. Um, and I pay for his phone and I, but yet I think it's time for tough love, um, I think I need to tell him to follow the rules or he can't live here and he can go live with his dad. Uh, but if he goes to live with his dad, I'm afraid he'll end up like him. Okay, mom, let me give you some input here. This is what I would tell you, and you just said it. I think you need to tell him to follow the rules or he's not going to be able to live there anymore or he can go live with his dad. And let dad kind of figure out if mom is so bad, then go live with dad and see how good that is. You can say that in a gentle way and say, but I'm not going to live like this anymore and say, you can go do that, uh, but you're always welcome here. You're welcome here for holidays. We'll spend time. Uh, I'll always get it. I'll, I'll do whatever, but I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. And uh, it, 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 something's got to change um, because I have your younger brother that I have to deal with and my concern is going to follow in your same footsteps. There's always a time, there's always a time to stand up and say, 
like Popeye, for some of you who are a little bit older, I've taken all I can stand and I can't stand no more. And it doesn't mean you don't maintain the relationship. What it means is you begin to tell them, I'm not going to live like this anymore because it's not right. And it's not right just because of you, mom or dad, or you grandparents. It's not right for your child because if it's spinning out of control, they're not getting to a good place. And you may be trying to manage them, but if it's only getting worse, by the time they turn 18, it it truly is, like I said earlier in this program, you're going to try to launch a rocket that can't fly. And it's just going to keep coming back at you over and over and over again. There is a time to stand up and say, no more. We're not doing this anymore. And you can say it in a very loving way and just say, if you can't follow this, then you are choosing to leave home. It's not you throwing them out. It is them choosing to not live by the rules. And the consequence of that is leaving. They have to make the decision and let them come up with it. Hey, I hope um, I haven't been too strong. I, I've talked about enough stuff that it could probably get me into trouble <laughs> with somebody, you know, in in uh, in my comments. But uh, you know me, I just want to be upfront and uh, and be real with you guys. It, I'm going to encourage you to to do a couple of things. One, there's a book called When Your Teen Is Struggling, and many of you are are talking about that here. Um, you can get that book just about anywhere, uh, or you can go to parentingtodaysteens.org and you can order it there. If you have a, t- a child that's struggling, you need to grab that book. And the other one, just because I mentioned my dog Stitch, out of that I wrote a book uh, called Where Stitch, and um, it, it comes out soon. And it's a it's a children's book uh, that helps people deal with the issue of losing their furry friend at their home. And so please look those up whenever uh, the time comes. God bless you guys. Look forward to talking to you soon. See ya. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us back here on Monday for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.